crazy story. I'm sitting um, in a spaghetti bar. They only serve spaghetti. So I would go there after work, 2 a.m. Um, I'm sitting there eating spaghetti, um, which is not totally not healthy. But anyway, um, I had this <laughs> moment. And that moment was like, hey, I want to go home. And then the next moment was like, you know, I can't go home. People would think that I'm a failure. And then the thought just, it just came on me like, like a door that opened. And it was like, I'm not going to curse. But in my mind, there was a curse word. It was like, you know, never mind those people. There's a curse yeah, no, I, I got you. Yeah, I got you. I got you. But it was like, never mind those people. It's time to go home. And I tell you, like, I just accepted that. Like it was literally like the, oh, a wall that come down. I'm like crying in the middle of this restaurant. I go out to get in a taxi. I'm crying, like the ugly cry in a taxi. The taxi driver just drove around for 30 minutes because I couldn't speak. It was that heavy. And then going into my office the next day and really just saying, hey, this is this is my last day. I'm done. I'm not, I'm, I'm going home. Um, yeah. that, that really was the moment um, that, you know, I'm just recognize that I had a, a purpose. What's up, everybody? It's the Don't Be Scared podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. J. This podcast is all about STEM education, all right? And once again, STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. So if you're interested in any of these subjects, this is your podcast. Now, specifically during this podcast, we're going to be talking about careers, education, and any trends that we see happening in STEM education right now. Hey everybody, it's Dr. J. Uh, we're back with another one. And today I got a great, great guest on. Um, met this brother uh, doing some community work and just to see the things he's doing in the community is amazing. Um, he's been on this grind and it's just amazing seeing the programs he's doing expanding. Um, so I'm really looking forward to really just showing off this great guy um the founder of urban coders guild let's give it up for mike kel vine everybody let's give it up for him. hey so how you doing how you doing today man i am great looking forward to the holidays a couple days off still been a, a pretty busy week looking forward honestly to just there's been a, an opportunity to like peek through a certain door and yeah. then recently that door has opened and being able to see like a greater vision for STEAM and for for um, computer science education in Tulsa. Super duper excited, but also knowing I need a little bit of time to rest before I jump too far into, into that body of work. No, I definitely feel that, man. Definitely avoid that burnout feeling just to get that ease in during the holidays. Um, what about yourself and, though? Uh, man, same thing here. Taking a little break. Uh, you know, just really enjoying the family. You know, we could get wrapped up in the world so much. So much is going on right now, first off. But it's just like, you know, you just want to take that time to really enjoy the moment. Um, so just in that whole nature. And then once again, appreciate you coming out man, and doing this. For sure. For sure. Um, so, yeah, let's give a little. Can you give a little background as far as your come up, where you're from? Um, just to everybody get to know you a bit. Oh, for sure. So my name is Michael Vaughn. Um, I like to describe myself as a native son of North Tulsa, uh, specifically North Tulsa. Um, I am really fortunate that I always had some folks 
who um, directed me towards some sort of after school program, some sort of summer program. I did all of the STEAM camps. Um, we didn't call them STEAM at that point. It was, you know, just science camp, general science. Yeah, camp. yeah. Um, you know, we did some chemistry. We did um, computer science back when you needed, you know, the AOL disk to use the internet, all of that. Um, and it really just fueled my curiosity. I went to University of Maryland, pursued electrical engineering. Um, I did that whole thing, didn't graduate with my engineering degree. But what I did have is just a really strong grounding and web development and um, networking infrastructure, all those things, project management, and was able to parlay all of that into a almost 20 year career um, in IT and just all the different roles across, across IT. Mm, man, that's that's crazy. That's a no. That sounds that's 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 insane. Um, and then you mentioned that you know growing up, uh, you were in different science camps. Were you always interested into like STEAM, STEM for the most part, or did this or did this develop over time, or it was just like, hey, I'm in grade school. This is what I'm going to stick to for the rest of my life. So the uh, the funny thing, and I guess the sad thing, uh, I don't know, funny is that I. I um I grew up wanting to be an astronaut. Okay, okay. All right. Landing on the moon and everything. Yeah, so my my interest in space um actually has not waned over the years. Um if you show me some pictures that some some new pictures from Hubble, I'm going to you know be like a little kid for the first time. If you talk about terraforming Mars, um wow. I'm going to be like a little kid. You talk about satellites are um you know um these experiments to crash things into um asteroids yeah you're gonna get me you're gonna get me amped so um that's really it's really been the start of it um you know that that didn't necessarily happen for me but it's just the science interest um the interest in steam the interest of what we could do with the technological future has has really just never waned and it's only ever really grown over time yeah no yeah especially within the last like 30 40 years they've definitely been pushing stem more and more uh with you know just in education but also with funding and everything yeah. especially this past year okay yeah. okay and so for me that was that was an important part of my journey um i had this great career um in tokyo japan living in tokyo it was an amazing experience wow um, yeah how long was you there for for 10 years Okay. The better, better part of 10 years. Um, I suggest everyone go to Tokyo or to Japan at least once. It's an amazing place. Um, but what I didn't have and what I needed um, is a certain sense of purpose. Mm. Um, I like to describe, you know, some folks have a midlife crisis and, you know, they trade they trade in their wives for, for a younger one or they get a Ferrari or, you know, dye their hair. For me, my midlife crisis was um, deciding to come back to Tulsa and really start an organization that gave back to these kiddos um, a lot of what was given to me. My particular, you know, my lane is computer science. And so starting Urban Coders Guild and providing this computer science access, this the, these opportunities for our youth, um, that was, you know, I walked into my office one day and said, hey, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm, this is it, I'm done. And then a month later, I was back in Tulsa um really geared up amped up fuel to do to do this new thing man and okay okay so 
man, that's that's you still got me stuck on this Tokyo thing. So how'd you get from so you how'd you get from leaving, I guess, after your college experience all the way to Tokyo? Like what did what were how did that develop there? Um I'm just gonna keep it real with you. It was I went on a whim. Okay. It was it really was a whim. I had a friend who was living there. Um who invited me like hey i know you just graduated this might be a good graduation gift just come hang out for a couple days um i went totally fell in love with the city and when i came back immediately started making plans for like hey i'm gonna live in japan crazy thing is i didn't, I didn't speak japanese um at all um had not you know been there i wasn't one of those kids who you know read anime and had this great interest in japan um mm. I went there, fell in love with the city, and decided that I was going to, you know, pursue that as a um, as my opportunity. Man, no, I, I was one of those kids that was in anime, so that that's my like dream city to just visit a couple times. So definitely, that's a uh, that's cool. So that's so cool. What so what is something that you could just tell everybody about that hasn't been in Tokyo? What's one thing that we would never expect from Tokyo? I don't know. Um, there's so many things. I I love the fact that it has 40 million people. And so there's 40 million stories. There's Ooh, the energy okay. of 40 million people. I love the subway system. I hate driving. So being able to, you know, use public trans um public transit, um, just the number of restaurants. I love eating out. Um, I love all the different types of food. I think one of the folks, well, one thing folks might not know is that Tokyo really is one of the food capitals of the world. They have mm. more Michelin rated restaurants, even in Paris. And so if you're interested in food, um, that's definitely a place to go. Um, if you're interested in fashion and um, streetwear, that's definitely a place to go. Yeah. Um, I really don't have too many bad things to say about my experience in Tokyo. Um, uh maybe other than the fact that a Tokyo, the Tokyo work life for most folks is um, really conservative. Um, black shirt, well, black suit, black tie, mm. white shirt, black shoes, pretty much every day. And then yeah. working 100 hour weeks, that's that's pretty, pretty much a norm for most folks. Wow, okay, wow, wow. So it really is like that intense over there in Japan for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's pretty intense and and okay. um, it, it requires a lot of folks, but you know that was something that I, I was all into for a good time, a good amount of time. But of yeah. course, also you know there's there's burnout, and there's a certain sense that hey, if I'm working a hundred hours a week, um, I could work a hundred hours a week anywhere and being able to you know to make an impact. I don't know right now that I'm working less than hundred hours a week, honestly. Okay. The difference, yeah, yeah. difference though is that I'm home and that the work that I'm doing goes back into my community, goes back into my kids. Um, it's a fulfillment of a purpose and mission and vision. So that's that's the big difference. Okay. And I, I feel you on that, right? Because once you feel like you're you're doing work, you know, that you fully enjoy and that you want to do, it doesn't even seem like work anymore, right? It's just something that you love doing. So it's, it yeah. doesn't give that negative connotation with how we perceive work, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And as far as like, okay, so you're in Tokyo, but you decide to go back to Tulsa. So explain to me this process of thinking like, what led you, what what was just that final moment where you're just like, okay, I can't do this anymore, right? What, was it just like you 
the work hours were too long or was it just like you had that that purpose feeling what, what what sparked that so i'm not super duper religious um but i did grow up in a church and so i i know in the old testament there's you know multiple examples of someone having a calling having you know a sense of purpose and avoiding that and just all of the things that happened all the bad things that happened while they're running away from their purpose um mm. you know getting swallowed up by a whale like just all those things yeah and so for me there was there was a good amount of time and there was just this idea in the back of my mind that hey i wanted to do something i, I wanted to be able to give back i wanted to go home and there's always this this seed in my mind it sort of started to grow on its own in a really organic way um but for me there was always this block and i know that a lot of folks from Tulsa who leave have this block one there's not a sense of opportunity here and then two coming home it represents a certain on on many levels represents failure you went out mm. world and you couldn't cut it so you have to come home and for me that that weighed heavily on me for a good amount of time also yeah. knowing my life in Tokyo was pretty amazing and so I was like I can't go home I can't go home I had told everyone that I was never coming home mm-hmm. like I had started putting some things in place where I would never have to come home um but then there was a moment and I call it a burning bush moment and um it's crazy story I'm sitting um in a spaghetti bar they only serve spaghetti so I would go there after work 2 a.m um I'm sitting there eating spaghetti um it's not totally not healthy but anyway um I had this moment and that moment was like hey I want to go home and then the next moment was like you know I can't go home people would think that I'm a failure and then the thought just it just came on me like like a door that opened and it was like I'm not going to curse but in my mind there was a curse or it was like you know never mind those people there's a curse yeah, no, I, I got you yeah I got you, but, I got you. but it was like never mind those people it's time to go home and I tell you like I just accepted that like it was literally like the oh a wall that come down I'm like crying in the middle of this restaurant I go out to get in a taxi I'm crying like the ugly cry in a taxi the taxi driver just drove around for 30 minutes because I couldn't speak it was that heavy and then going into my office the next day and really just saying hey this is this is my last day I'm done I'm not, I'm I'm going home um yeah. that that really was the moment um that you know just recognize that I had a, a purpose and that purpose, purpose made, made me coming home I tell everyone that like one being able to follow your curiosities and so that took me to Japan being braver than we ever thought we could be took me to Japan trying something um trying something that you know is hard took me to Japan but also mm-hmm. having that sense of purpose and being and being courageous enough and and having enough faith to walk into that purpose brought me mm-hmm. back to Tulsa knowing that I'm serving my community and my kiddos keeps mm-hmm. me So there's all of these things that um of course like urban coders get we're doing coding we're black and brown youth um access and opportunity resources there's all these yeah. things but the through line is is faith is service um courage bravery yeah. um exploration and these these are one of the things like if my kiddos never learn um I never really retain how to how to code um yeah. I want them to have those elements in their lives because it's going to take them 
literally and figuratively to the to the end of the world and back. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, especially in STEM, you you develop like practices and and just skills in general that you can apply to just life in general, right? Some of like I relate to that. I learned so many skills just by being in the research lab. How I had to like be disciplined, come in the morning, and you know really plan my day out and that whole thing. So uh, I totally agree with that. Um, so Michael, explain to me, right? All right, what were where exactly were you doing in Tokyo as far as like job wise? What was the actual job you were doing? So I was um, the IT manager. Okay. of a of a travel a boutique travel um agency and really what that what that means was I, I oversaw a team that was doing multiple things there was the um development team which is software um that was an infrastructure team they really kept all of the networks um all of the network up and going running um there was a project management team mm. um and this was four offices spread across Japan. And there was a team of about 12 folks and, okay. just, you know, helping the company, helping the teams um, for my particular skill set, just knowing a little bit of all the things, managing all of the managing things um, yeah. for this particular operation. Okay. Okay. So yeah, a lot of managing skills you learned and, and already with the tech skills, you've already got from your college career and everything. So you was just combining all these things. And, yeah. and it looks like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that and I actually got my got my MBA while I was living in Japan. So also okay. those business management skills and really just bring all of that to bear in that role. Um, it was it was an amazing opportunity. Um, leading an international team there were of course um japanese folks there were a couple americans there were a couple of french folks um mm. Vietnamese folks um being able to work across all of our cultural differences yeah. across our, our different um linguistic um language differences it was an amazing challenge um something that i i, I actually love doing yeah yeah working man diversity is so critical it's, it's really undervalued because you know, you're working with all these different people and you just learn a lot from them. Uh, if you're working with someone from a different culture, they got a whole different background experience and then you learn about that experience and then you learn about their different perspectives, right? As you interact with these different people. It's just getting you out of the environment you grew in can really help grow you a lot. Um, yeah. That, that's just I, I what I just noticed. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, and this is something that's important for me to always uh, remind folks. We talked mm -hmm. about DEI and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I know it's kind of a buzz around that. And a lot of people get stuck on the number of Black folks or the number of women, um, that aesthetic piece. But don't really delve into, you know, the, the shared values and the shared culture and an understanding that when you have all of this diversity, not just a race and ethnicity and gender, but also age and physical ability and yeah. neurodivergence. When you have all of these different spots, what you actually come up with are better tech solutions, mm. better solutions to problems. Um, mm. I think about, you know, Uber developing these autonomous cars that yeah. don't recognize black people walking across the street 
so mm. they don't go to break. Like if you have some some black folks, some darker skin black folks, like look, yeah. Yeah. bro, I'm crossing the street here. <laughs> um, I think about Google AI that that is um, correlating black folks and gorillas. Like when you have black folks, brown folks, people asking like, "Yo, how is this a thing?" Mm. When you have them on the team, like again, you have to have the diversity. My opinion is that you have to have the diversity so we actually are building better, stronger um, products that actually and technology that actually moves us forward as opposed to just um, reimagining our existing biases and our mm. existing our existing you know systemic racism. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was I looked at this article and. They, they said that you can code, you know, have a bias in coding. And yeah. it was, I, and I was trying to figure out, well, how exactly is that the case? Because it makes sense, right? If you got all white people just coding one certain thing, they're just going to have that certain perspective. But how does that, how do they actually code in that way? A lot of that, I mean, it's, there's a phrase junk in, junk out. Okay. And so I think about the inputs. When we, you know, are developing or we're um, feeding in information into these AI systems, um, how does the systemic racism and these biases end up um, in these products and these outputs? And I was saying that we think about junk in, junk out as a concept, as an applied concept. When yeah. we have inputs that are, um, that represent our biases and our assumptions, then of course the outputs are also going to represent our biases and assumptions. Hmm. And so it's again, having a diverse team um, that represents all different aspects, not just, you know, counting up the number of black folks. It's not about, you know, meeting those quotas. It's actually having folks um, in the room, empowering them, empowering their voices, hearing their voices hmm. and making sure that those voices are represented in the actual outcomes hmm. so when okay. we make these decisions you know when we yeah when we make these decisions are these implementations they actually have like we heard michael and michael called out these things so we need to make sure that when we develop and implement this plan that it takes into account you know these um, different perspectives hmm. okay okay and man okay so that's always interesting. I thought, and you explained it very well, right? If you, it's based on whatever, whoever that person is, you're inputting it, and they're always going to get that same output. So that makes sense why it would come out to that biases, as you mentioned before, with those different examples. And that's why I love Urban Coders Guild. Um, the, the different stuff that you're doing, like, I always thought coding was interesting. That's just something I cannot do. Personally, it's just above my head, you know, said so I cannot figure it out. I had a little time to code, uh, doing some research after that one experience. I was like, okay, I think I'm done after that. But I love the fact that you've come up with this organization that's, man, really impacting the community now. But also, I just see this in the future because 30, 40 years, like this is going to be a skill. I feel like every young person is really going to have to need in a way. Um, so can you explain to the people that don't know about urban culture skill, exactly what it is and what you guys stand for? 
for sure. So Urban Coders Guild, I'm just gonna give you the quick mission. It's it's an organization, Tulsa-based organization that exists really to provide computer science access, education, and opportunity. What that means on the ground is that we have um, a number of programs that are after-school programs. Students work in cohorts, learning new web development, mm -hmm. iOS app development, Android development. And this year mm -hmm. um, we're doing Unity game development. Mm -hmm. We meet after school, uh, 5.30 to 7.30. So this is two hours. We feed yeah. the kids, we provide transportation for the kids. The whole program is free for the kids. And these kids being middle school and high school kids, um, totally free for them. The only thing that we ask them, that we demand of them is a commitment and having their curiosity, like coming to us with their curiosity and, and allowing us to guide those curiosities mm -hmm. um, through learning computer, learning computer science, learning these different development technologies and building something with that. We meet um, 28 weeks, four hours a week, for 28 weeks and so these kids get a lot of hours in front of the computer yeah. great instructors um our instructors have phds in computer science they have certifications in computer science and so they're really um you know giving it all to these kids and then helping these kids develop their own projects we do project-based learning and so the kids spend some time learning those fundamentals and they spend some other time actually building their own projects and getting all the support that they need to build those projects. Okay, okay, man. Okay, that's very interesting, uh, first off. And like I said, like, that's, I can't even try to wrap my head around uh, people, kids really like middle school, high school is developing an app. Um, so can you just as, can you like give an example of like what's what's a project that you remember just off the top of your head that were like really oppressed you that that made you like wow um this is you're in middle school high school doing these things like what what's the most recent one or something you can think of so the most impactful for me um and i don't want to take away from any of the kids projects because all yeah. these kids are amazing um just seeing their work um and their commitment like brings um tears to my eyes but one of the things, one of the projects that really, really um, stood out for me was the project that, that they did last year. Uh, last year, of course, being oh, we are still in this year for another um, 11 days. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> but one of the things that they did for the last um, cohort that, that ended in May, um, they worked on what we're calling the Black Wall Street Online Directory. Those kiddos that learned web development worked with another group of kiddos, young people from um, TCC. Um, okay. The kids from TCC did, did the content through their research, through their service learning projects. They researched companies. Um, they researched entrepreneurs from historic Greenwood um, hmm. pre and prior, um, pre and post massacre. And then our kiddos, our urban coders kiddos, use that content, use their web development skills, use their app development skills, and created a website and an accompanying um, app, mobile app, that highlighted those businesses, that highlighted those um, those entrepreneurs. Wow. Okay. 
So wow, okay, so they took they took the research and then they made it out from the research. That way, like if you on your phone, you basically can look at whatever the business is, right, before and yeah. after. Yeah, wow. and so be able to showcase that research, um, their pictures. Um, in some cases, there are addresses and phone numbers, um, early phone numbers. Um, there are stories about the business. There are some ads from the business. Um, mm -hmm. There are some highlights of the entrepreneurs, the operators of those businesses. And mm -hmm. so each one of the, of course, is a little bit different because there's a, a variation of the, the data that exists. But for us, it's a demonstration of those development skills that the kiddos picked up. It also is a, a resource for other folks. Um, one, our kiddos, our new kiddos are adding to that directory, um, but also other folks can go to the directory and really see some of the information, you know, about those businesses. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a man. That's a that's an amazing project, um, especially just to showcase the history. And and then you make it easy for people to, you know, using the app, right? to just access this information now. Um, man, okay, okay, so well, well development is one of them. And then you mentioned that you have the program about the gaming, you, you're using Unity, right? That's one of the big, the big de developing ones, right? That they're focusing on for the future. Am I right with that one or? No, oh, oh for sure. And so okay. this is something that that's, I tr when I think about this organization, I really try to just bring all of the things that I know to bear in one spot. And so one of them, of course, is, you know, that res that community response, the response from the stakeholders. The kiddos asked, um, can they learn? Can someone teach them game development? OK, yeah. And so, yeah. And so I was like, mm, let me let me work on that. <laughs> and so that was one of the big ad, one of their big asks for last year. And mm. so being able to find um, some folks locally that could do that for them, it's like, hey, kiddos, y'all asked and I provided. <laughs> and so this year um, we're doing the same thing. And then hearing hearing what, what they are interested in um, for next year and the years going forward, and then asking our community, like, hey, who here can do Unity game design um, or Unity game development? Who here can we ask um, to teach our kids um, cross-platform development. Who here we ask to teach our kiddos um, UI UX or um, AR VR? And right. knowing that um, it's an ask, but people do show up and say, "Hey, Michael, I can commit to teaching these kids this, and I yeah. can commit to teaching these kids this other thing." Um, yeah. It is. Um, I'm very fortunate to our community, but also listening to our community, listening to our kids, and as much as possible, providing the things that, that we can. Yeah, and I just love it too, how you really focus on the community aspect of everything, uh, from the community projects, right? To even asking the people in our community to teach to the kids in the community. I mean, it is better than getting it from somebody who's just someone random off, right? You actually know these people. You probably see these people around. So that's awesome in that. How, yeah. how, is, how is that process as far as with the gaming, though? I don't know too much about it, but it's just like this. 
they're literally using the software that these big PS5 games and Xbox games are literally on. So the fact that they're working with this right now, oh my goodness, they're about to be cold. I can already see it. So how how is that? Like, man. Um, they're really starting from scratch, honestly. They're learning, oh, okay. they're learning from the very beginning. Our students come from all different experience levels. Some of them, the, the experience level is zero, honestly. Mm -hmm. We yeah. ideally we would love for our kiddos to, to come to us for some experience. That's one of the things that we're working with. We work with middle school and high school kids, but the, the goal over time is to start building a coalition of folks that can service our pre-K through K um, mm. students. And so when they come to us in the middle school and high school, they have all of these years of experience and we could just do a different level of project. Um, you know, really let them lose to develop, you know, some great grand idea, um, yeah. this grand project. Um, but they're really learning from the very beginning. Um, it's not easy. I'm gonna keep it super honest with you, Doc. Um, but they show up. Yeah, I see their frustrations that like this look right here, um, <laughs> you know, like a fist on the table, but they keep yeah. showing up every time and we're helping them. They're learning, they're helping each other, which is mm. something that's super duper important, that collaboration, um, yeah. those problem solving skills, those critical thinking skills, those logic skills, because yeah. the reality is that not all of these kids and maybe only a few of these kids will be coders or developers. But having all of those problem solving skills, project management skills are something they could take with them anywhere they go. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, because, you know, you can that project man management skill can be applied in this tech world, but it can also be applied anywhere. Right. Because they, they, they learn these skills on how to manage the actual project. So I, I definitely feel you with that. And that and that's awesome, too. Um, cause I'm a huge person who's big on collaboration and the fact that you have them in these cohorts collaborating with each other, that's building so many soft skills. They don't even, they don't even understand all the skills that they're building right now with this type of programming. So it is, that's really cool. So they don't, they don't really understand it, but I'm old enough to remember the original karate kid. Um, okay. Daniel son didn't know that he was learning karate. Well, he, <laughs> he knew. And while he was upset, he was like, bro, I'm tired of painting fences and waxing floors. But then he learned yeah. to wax off. And that's, those are the skills. Um, yeah, these, the babies don't know what, what they're learning yet. But yeah, you know, right now, we're just, um, just the midpoint of the program um, of the program year. And okay. now they're starting to see, hey, remember we did that thing a couple of weeks ago? So what we're really gonna do is use that to do this other thing. And so mm. yeah, I think I, I keep thinking about Karate Kid, you know. Yeah. Wax on, wax off, there's <laughs> the right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. Yeah. Um, defense. Yeah, we, we're gonna do all of that. And so um, again, giving our, our kiddos those building blocks and that's really what we spend the first half of the program doing, those building blocks and encouraging them to come up with their own ideas because okay. ultimately what we would want to see them do is a capstone project. Some of them are going to be collaborative. Some of them are going to be individual projects and mm. knowing that yet. We want our kiddos to explore those curiosities. Mm. Mm. Okay, and uh, so Michael, can you, so I'm, I'm just curious on your end, right? 
So you went from the whole uh, IT manager to now being all over this Urban Coders Guild. And I'm just interested, what is your day-to-day like now, right? Because this is two different lives you live in here. So what is your everyday life like now? So um, I'm not sure who the audience is, but um, a lot of us know there's emails, the live is uh, emails and meetings, but also really working with other folks from across the spectrum of our community, across the stakeholder groups and um, ideating, um, planning, strategic yeah. planning, and then working on developing programs and ideas and implementation. Um, it really is a, a full day. It really is into the night. I wake up in the middle of the night. Uh, folks get emails from me at 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. because I, even when I'm in the gym, if I'm on the treadmill, um, yeah. best believe there might be more than a few emails that get sent out. But it, it really is all day um, thinking about these kids, thinking about our community, um, trying to find partners um, to do some of the work and trying to find the resources to make some of this happen. I've been really fortunate because we have lots of folks who are willing to help um, develop and implement, but we've also mm-hmm. had a lot of folks who have been able to to marshal and get, and you know provide resources. Tulsa has some great um, philanthropic organizations; those are great. We have some great organizations, TRSA for for one, Techlahoma for another, Building Tulsa for another, that um, have you know given resources, and then just an army of folks who like, hey, Michael, I want to do this thing. I can do this thing to help you all out. And hey, help me with this thing. And and the answer very, very rarely is no. Yeah, yeah. And and man, that's, you know, I, I'm a transplant in Tulsa, so I'm still learning. Um, but one thing I've noticed is just like, man, the key word I keep hearing is community. Man, it's just, it's a lot of community here who people are like, they're proud to be from Tulsa. And then not only that, they want Tulsa to succeed. Um, So that's something that if you can just have those two things, like your community will succeed no matter how long or whatever, because you're just putting in that work continuously after day after day. Um, So uh, that's amazing to see. And once again, just what you're doing is amazing. (laughs) I just can't say that enough. I, I appreciate it. I, I know for me, sometimes I get so so deep in the weeds with the work that it's hard for me to see. But having folks remind me, like this is you're doing good work. Um, yeah. I really take that to heart because I, I don't always see it, um, but other folks can. I, I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Thank you. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Um, okay, so what? So in the next, let's just say five ten years. What are your personal aspirations, but what is also your aspirations for Urban Coders Guild? Just to let people know, what are you building out here? So I, for, for me and personally and, and professionally, um, for me personally, I want to be able to wake up at 5 a.m. and watch Gunsmoke um, and in the heat of the night all day. And, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, pinochle with my friends that retired life. But that means that I have to, um, that we collectively have to build um, this this um, community um, for our kids and knowing that, knowing and trusting that they will be able to, to run that community. Um, in terms of professionally, I 
I want this to be the realization of a guild, of an actual guild model. So having those apprentices learning something new, knowing that there's going to be folks at every step of the learning journey and being able to go back in that learning journey and share those skills and resources they've acquired. So on one end, you have that apprentice. On the other hand, you have that master craftsman who is grabbing those apprentices and teaching them new things. Um, You have some some patrons on the far end, you know, they can give some resources to yeah. support the ecosystem, but really having that that entire thing built out and built out in such a way that we're starting with like the babies, like the babies to to folks working in and working in, you know, their entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial venture or the corporate seat, whatever that is them but it's that entire um guild model realized mm. Mm. and i i love that that's um man it's and then that's just a great way to really help all aspects of everybody in the organization right you got the people that you have the first the babies right they come in they build up these skills that they're working on now then next you know uh they're at this master level but now now they got apparent apprentices so then from there, right, they can help those. And then it just continues. Uh, so that that's beautiful, man. That's that's definitely something that is awesome. Um, for me, for me, that is the real realization of Black Wall Street in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, the physical buildings. Those might be gone. Those might might not be something that we could ever, you know, do again. But yeah. having a community, a self-sustaining community is something that we that we could do and that we could do um digitally and we could do in that tech space yeah yeah i I definitely agree with that and then the more people in the more that they could just spread out that love at the end of the day absolutely Um, and okay okay yeah so michael uh i don't i want to wrap it up here um don't want to hold up too much of your time but this is something i always do with all the guests is basically um what is i just need that here at Don't Be Scared, we're always focused on being truly who we are, authentic to who we are, our true beings. Um, so what is some great advice you could give to the next generation or somebody looking at this or hearing you right now, right, that you could just give a, give to them as far as career advice or just any advice that you would want to give to somebody? So actually, um, this goes to, you know, what your organization is and what what it's even called don't be scared what i would say is um don't be afraid to dream big don't be mm-hmm. afraid to step out on faith um it's impossible to dream too big um and really just having the courage having the faith to step out and do something new something different something that something that may even scare you um, yeah go for it yeah Man, I love that. I love that, man. That's a uh, no. That's exactly right. Because if you don't go for it, you're just gonna stay in the same position. So you gotta go for it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. Uh, and then just to let everybody know, uh, what's some upcoming events you got going on, or what can the people expect, or when can they apply if they're interested in this program? Yeah. So we are planning um, a, n- a number of events and activities during some of these school breaks. Um, some hackathons, some college tours. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to be doing summer programming again this year, um, actually out in the community. So not just what we do is our core programming, but it's going to be distributed, more opportunities for everyone. And then we're going to go back to our core programming um, in the fall. 
there will be opportunities to apply um, throughout the summer, and then we'll start starting in the fall. And this is for middle school and high school kids. Yeah, totally free. Um, totally free for them. Totally free. Let me repeat that. This is totally free. Okay, so if you got kids in this Tulsa metro area and they're interested in the program, check it out. Uh, what's the social media? So you can find us on on the web, urbancodersguild.org, um, Urban Coders on Facebook, Urban Coders on Instagram, and then Urban Coders 918 on the, the Twitter. Okay, man. Okay, man. It, Mikey, I just want to say this has been great. Uh, it's really been my pleasure uh, just to show what everybody you're doing in the community. Uh, like I said, this is so impactful. Um, the next 30 to 40 years is about to be heavy on tech. So this is, I feel like, truly a skill that everybody needs to start developing. Um, and thank you once again just for being on the show. Uh, everybody, I will catch you guys next time. And let's give it up one more time for Michael Vaughn, everybody. Let's give it up for him. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate you. Now, once again, you want to make sure that you hit that subscribe button and follow us for the latest episodes on our podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a review as well as comment below what you want to hear us talk about next. At the end of the day, everybody, we're just here to help. We want to spread our vision of increasing STEM participation from underrepresented communities 